and welcome to Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 194, The Day Family Drama Turned Deadly. You know, that sounds like a title for an episode of a soap opera, possibly, whether it be a daytime soap or it be a nighttime soap. And yet, this comes straight out of Scripture. So I'm recording this podcast the weekend after Thanksgiving in 2022. And I have seen, I would estimate, probably well over a hundred pictures on social media over the last few days of family Thanksgiving gatherings including just a few minutes ago, I saw one from a huge portion of my own family. And thankfully, at least I'm trusting, at least some of those beautiful family pictures really were representative of the type of family gathering that happened. And yet, whether you are a senior adult or a senior in high school, you've lived long enough to know that family pictures at holiday events do not always tell the true story. And as I have been mentally and emotionally preparing for this particular podcast, I've been thinking a lot about family dynamics. Now, for those of you who do not know me personally, I don't know how much I've shared this on the podcast, but I am going to share it now because it is applicable I am from just about the smallest family unit that it's possible to have. It was just me and my parents growing up. And when we had family gatherings, at the most, we would have one other person as a part of that. Until my parents died, the most I had ever been at a family gathering for, except for two different times where we went out of town to visit relatives, was four. That, that's the max. And I know for some of you, you are like going, that is absolutely unreal. But that that's my life. And after my parents died, I have had many non-typical family slash holiday events. And honestly, I like it that way. I It's just, uh, it fits with my extreme introvert personality. But that doesn't mean that I do not know what family gatherings can really look like. I've been to large family gatherings, many times not even my own family, but just being a part of the people that they adopt for that holiday. And no matter 
when you are listening to this podcast. You could be listening to this in the middle of summer. It doesn't matter. We all know what the phrase family drama looks like. It doesn't just happen on television. And yet, here in 2022, how many times are TV advertisers, producers, directors taking advantage of and or intentionally embellishing family drama in order to get people to watch. I cannot even tell you how many years it has now been where reality television has been a part of American culture. And not all reality television shows a negative slant on life, not not by any stretch of the imagination, but so much of it does. And so much of it is framed to get the dramatic effect so that people will tune in and watch. They wonder, is this couple going to stay together? What's going to happen? And one of my favorite phrases in life, and not favorite because I like it, but favorite because I use it so very often, is the phrase to stir the pot. Now, we're not talking a pot of soup. We are talking about behaviors, attitudes, actions, words, text messages, social media posts, whatever it may be, that stir the pot of emotions. We all know what it's like to stir the pot. We either encounter people continuously who try to stir the pot, or we are one of those. The number of times that I've dealt with families in hospice who have had much more complicated grief reactions than necessary because somebody has stirred the pot on social media, at the funeral, in face-to-face interactions, where instead of taking on the, the sentiment, blessed are the peacemakers, it's more like they believe that blessed are the ones who stir the pot. And in the story of King David, Amnon, Absalom, Jonadab, and poor Tamar, we we don't have anybody, at least not in the scriptural evidence, who tried to be a peacemaker. Not one person appears to be working to deal with the situations. And as I read down through the scriptures, I want us to just reflect on how could this have turned out differently? 
when we were reading a few weeks ago about Amnon and Tamar and the fact that he abused, I'm being careful on my words here, but he assaulted, that's, that's better, he assaulted his half-sister. There were people who could have kept this from happening, and yet they didn't. Jonadab made it worse. So Jonadab is a cousin. He is the son of one of David's brothers. Jonadab comes back into the narrative today, which I'll admit I didn't realize just how much of a pot stirrer and or intricate part he played in this drama. And we don't even know for sure all that he did in the midst of it. So our weekly assignment feature, as we read down through these scriptures, is what is one action What is one action you can do to diffuse any current family drama? And you may not have a family, like a, uh, a family of origin story, or you may. A lot of you do. A lot of you immediately thought of the family drama that's going on right now. But for some of you, you do not have that kind of family of origin. But that doesn't mean you don't have a family. You may have a family at work. And that may be where you can choose a specific action to help to be a peacemaker. It may be a family, maybe part of your church family, where you can either choose to stir the pot or you can choose to be a peacemaker and to intervene and try to diffuse what is happening. So setting the stage, and I'm going to be careful of the language I use because we know that the content of the first 22 verses of 2 Samuel 13 are PG-13 at least. So if you don't understand what I'm talking about, just go read the scriptures. It doesn't matter what translation you read it from, you are going to see that this was one messed up family situation. And I want to point us back to 2 Samuel 12, 11, before we dig into this, remember, David and his choice to use his power as the king to call Bathsheba to the palace to exert power, however that was, we don't know all the details, and then to have her husband killed. That's David's story before he came face to face with the darkness of his sin and repented, in other words, turned from. But as a part of the prophet Nathan going to David and saying, you're the man, he also explained to David that he was going to have consequences. Even though David fell face first in front of God, as we see in Psalm 51, that did not mean that consequences were not going to happen. And in 1211, it says, this is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, will we see that today. 
I will give your wives to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. In other words, you messed up in private. You made these choices. It's not going to leave your house. Like you are going to have consequences and those in your household are going to experience consequences as well. But even those words did not give an inkling of just how bad this was going to get. So let's set the stage in 2 Samuel 13, 1 through 22. What did we have? Who are our cast of characters? So we have King David. King David has had multiple wives and multiple children by multiple wives. So that's where the problem started. Like we wouldn't have this narrative. We wouldn't have this problem if he had not married multiple women. Fact. From the multiple relationships, he has multiple children. So the first one mentioned is Absalom. And Absalom is going to play a big part over the next few weeks. Absalom was, if I remember correctly, like maybe number three out of the birth order in the, the he's going to be king when David dies, if it goes in that order kind of thing. Second, Absalom had a full sister named Tamar, and Tamar was a knockout. And Absalom was a handsome dude. We know this from another place in scripture. So you have Absalom, you have his beautiful sister named Tamar, who was a virgin daughter of the king. Then we have Amnon, and Amnon was their half-brother. And he, quote, fell desperately in love with her, which we know that is not what happened. He, he, it wasn't love because what he did to her and the obsession he had with her was not love. Fact. So I don't need to spec that anymore. You all know what I'm talking about. Now, chapter, or thir verse 3 still causes my blood to boil. And it will always. But Amnon had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. Now, crafty is not bad in itself, like we are to be wise as serpents. But craftiness in this case was absolutely stirring the pot. And that is his, this, that's Jonadab. He was the son of David's brother Shimei. One day, Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble? Why should the son of the king look so dejected morning after morning? And Amnon says, I'm in love with Tamar, Absalom's sister. Not, he doesn't say, she's my half-sister. No, he, she say, says, Absalom's sister. And Jonadab gives him a manipulative way to get her alone. Now, as I've said in previous weeks, we don't know if Jonadab knew how bad this was going to get. But it's similar to the fact that if somebody in our day and time drives the getaway car for somebody to try to rob a liquor store and someone is murdered in the process of it, that getaway driver 
is still guilty because they were involved in the committing of a crime. Jonadab knew that Amnon should not have these feelings for Tamar. And he helped him anyway. So Jonadab is guilty of aiding and abetting, if nothing else. So he tells him how to manipulate her in order for to get her into, in this case, into her, his bedroom. And in the midst of that, he does what Jonadab says. We have servants that are involved in this. Now, of course, the servants, if they had not done what Amnon had said, they would have paid dearly, maybe even with their life. So even though they could have intervened, it would have been much more difficult for them. And David was involved, but David was a pawn because David did not know what was going on. And he agreed to have Tamar come and take care of her sick brother. Yeah, right. And so Amnon takes advantage of Tamar. Then he becomes angry at her and his, quote, love turns to hate. He throws her out. Absalom comes to her, asks if Amnon has been with her. She says yes. And as I said in a week or two ago, I don't, don't remember which of the two, some of the commentaries really like lead you to believe that it's least a possibility that Absalom may have been using Jonadab and all this was a setup so that Absalom had a reason to kill Amnon. I don't see it in the text, but Jonadab does reappear. Uh, I don't know. That, that would make Absalom, he's not a good guy, but obviously if he, if he did that, and from a human perspective ruined Tamar's life, because it says she lived as a desolate woman in Absalom's house. He took her in, but we talked about the things you do not say to somebody who's an assault victim. And one of those is to keep quiet. And that's exactly what he said to her. And you can go back and, and listen to that in last week's podcast. 21 is when King David heard what happened, he was very angry. Well, you should be. <laughs> like, you should be. But instead of doing something, instead of going to Amnon, instead of having him prosecuted, instead of taking care of business, David did not. And we talked last week about the reasons he may not have. In his mind, he had done a similar deed, and he may have thought that he didn't have the right to punish Amnon, which is absolutely not right because he had gotten himself right with the Lord. But either way, David did not take care of this. So what all have we got going on here? Tamar is the innocent victim. Like there's nothing different that she could have done. She was listening to her dad. She was going to take care of her brother. She was literally the innocent party in this. David leading up to finding out what had happened to his daughter, he hadn't done anything wrong. He might not have been paying enough attention. And we know that his multiple marriages had let, helped lead to this situation. 
but he wasn't specifically making bad choices. But then he does nothing to Amnon. He does nothing to punish him. He, it just it infuriates me and always will. And so that brings us to 23 through 39. And let's check this out. Two years later, two, two years later, that is how long, <coughs> excuse me, this family drama would have been going on. We don't know the details of what's happened, but everybody and their neighbor knows what's happened. And we get to Absalom. When Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazar near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, My sheep shearers are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my son, if we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. I, I still don't quite get that whole thing. I don't understand it. I don't know if David just didn't want to come. I don't know if he really thought they were going to be a burden. I don't know if David was just clueless. I haven't quite figured this out. And thankfully, I do not have to because it's not that important. But it does play into the story because then Absalom pressed him. But the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well, then Absalom said, if you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his, friend, his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. Verse 30. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, the report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. The king got up, tore his robe, threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. 32. Here comes Jonadab back in. But just then, Jonadab, the son of David's brother Shimei, arrived and said, No, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord, the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He ran to tell the king. I see a crowd of people coming from Haranaim Road along the side of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king, there they are now. The king's sons are coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talmai, son of Amahud, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. I read that all together. 
because I honestly wanted to get it all out of my system. How much of a mess do we have there? So we've got David who did not appropriately handle the rape of his daughter by his son. We have Absalom, who for two years has been plotting to kill Amnon in revenge. And we have Jonadab, the one who was at the beginning of this, who gave Amnon the manipulative way to get Tamar there to begin with. Jonadab has been close enough to Absalom that he has known that Absalom has been plotting this for two years. I want to get my hands on, uh, on Jonadab because Jonadab obviously plays a huge role in this family drama. Whenever this story is talked about, at least whenever I've heard it talked about, it's always talked about Absalom and Amnon. Tamar, of course, who did nothing wrong. And David, who did not intervene as he should. But what about Jonadab? How much power in this family drama did the cousin have? So what do we know for sure? Well, we know for sure that he was close enough to Amnon for Amnon to confide as to why he was having a series of bad days. Jonadab asked him, you know, why, why, why do you, are you sad all this time? And Amnon confided in him. And instead of Jonadab going, hey, bro, that is a really bad idea and we need to get you some help. Instead, he helped to plot. So that is definitely stirring the pot 101 is when you see an opportunity to move a situation one direction or another and you choose to stir the pot and move it in the negative direction. No. No, 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 no. But how many times do we do things like that? where we see a crack in the family dynamics. And for whatever reason, either because we just like to stir the pot, we just like to see people fight, we just like to see everything topsy-turvy, or we have a motive where we're going to get money or we're going to get recognition or whatever it is. Like how many times have we been like Jonadab and then... We find out from verse 32 that he knows that not all the sons were killed. Well, how does he know that? How does he have that information? Is it because he was in on the plotting? 
because what do we know? It says Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Jonadab knows that they weren't all killed either because he knew what Absalom's exact plan was or he was there and helped in the planning. There's no other way. Like, he, he's, he's the insider. He's got the inside scoop. I don't know about you, but there are times where each of us have opportunity to get the inside scoop on the family drama. It may be our own family, maybe work family, maybe church family, maybe just a family we are associated with. But how do you use that inside information? How do you use that personal power that you have as a part of this dynamic? When I was in seminary, I got a counseling degree. And in the midst of that, in my very first semester, I was in a marriage and family counseling class. And one of the things that I learned, I learned a lot in that class, but one of the things that I learned that I use every week of my career has to do with the fact that if one person in a family dynamic changes, the entire family changes. For instance, I know of a family right now where one person came to Christ, chose to follow Christ as their Lord and Savior. And as a result, that changes the dynamics of that family on so many levels. So again, I challenge you, when it comes to our weekly assignment feature, what is one action you can do to diffuse any current family drama? Like we could have entitled this, don't be like Jonadab. Like that could have been the title of this week's because we have seen Jonadab use his personal power and his inside information in this family to make things much, much worse. Or, to not intervene at all, where he knows that Absalom has it out for Amnon for two years, and it would not appear from the way the scripture presents it that he did anything to keep it from happening. This is one of the reasons why the commentators wonder if Jonadab and Absalom may have plotted together to bring this all about so that Absalom had what appeared to be a righteous reason to kill Amnon, who would have been higher in line to the throne than him. We don't know. It, it's not specific in there. But what we do know is Absalom took his revenge. Do I think that he took it because he was so concerned about his sister and that's how he thought he was going to fix the problem? Well, would you wait two years to do that? Like truly, if you were concerned about the mental, emotional, physical health of your sister, would you wait two years to plot out the death of... No, it, 
No. It, could it have been about the fact that this is a shame honor society and that that could have played into it but Absalom could have made different choices David could have made different choices and goodness knows Jonadab could have made different choices and then of course Amnon could have made different choices Tamar's the only one Tamar is the only one that did what she thought was right and was hurt to the core as a result of it. But this is the day that the family drama turned deadly. And there were so many people to blame. It was not just Absalom. It was Amnon for starting this. It was Jonadab for helping in the plot, the original plot, and maybe even the murder plot. It was David for not taking care of his family, not first and foremost honoring the marriage vows that he had at the very beginning. There's so many people that could have changed this family dynamic so that it wouldn't have been in Scripture and we wouldn't have been talking about it. But we can't fix David's family mess. And we're going to see that it's just going to continue. It's not getting any better. Literally, to his last breath, there are evidences that things are not right in his world. But we can change our own family drama settings. We can take actions. The first action before any others is to pray. Whatever family drama that might be going on right at this very moment, first and foremost, pray. I don't care where you fall on the uh, he, said, he said, she said side of the line. Pray that the Holy Spirit would intercede for everybody with groanings only he can utter about needs only he can know. And then ask him for the courage to do what he is calling you to do. Whatever that might be, beyond prayer. Don't be one who stirs the pot. Be the one who lifts the prayer. And then has the courage to use your personal power to influence good and healthy and godly change in the family dynamic. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you would like to reach out to me to ask me to pray about anything, to just have conversations, you can reach me at encouraging others and loving Jesus at gmail.com. We've got our Twitter account. It's EO in loving Jesus because it's not long enough. Uh, Instagram, encouraging others and loving Jesus. And, of course, we have our Facebook page, Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. And we've got the hidden episodes, so the very first episodes you can't find on the major platforms. You can find them at the link down below. I've got links to references, uh, different, different things that will give you more information about First and Second Samuel and sometimes the Bible as a whole. 
you know, I, I just thank you so much for tuning in. I thank you for being here. I thank you for sharing this with others who might be able to make a difference in their family structure to be able to help point their family to godliness. Don't stir the pot. Lift the prayer. And as we say each week, remember it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>